Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey everybody, it's the WaitingForNextYear.com podcast. I'm your host, Craig Lindell. We are also a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. This is a solo edition of the podcast. I wanted to crack a mic and talk to you guys a little bit. Um, First of all, let me tell you what we got going on at Waiting For Next Year. We're very excited about it. We've started a Discord server. Um, And in addition to that, you can find those links all over our social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook. It's a it's a chat platform. It's somewhere between a message board and a chat platform. And the thing that Waiting for Next Year has always been good at building is our culture and our sense of community. It's uh, kind of a safe place. You know, we always advertise ourselves as being not much more than PG-13. Um, and, and that's what we build. And that's so with Discord, we've actually found a way to open it up to you guys. And it's been really fun whether we've been talking about sports, obviously in February, uh, other than the Cavaliers, there's not much going on. So we've been talking a lot about movies and video games and music too, which is really fun. Um, so we hope you uh, join up with the uh, the Waiting for Next Year Discord. In addition to that, we've got one private channel um, dedicated to Patreon supporters. And Patreon is the best way for you to support us if you like what we do um we used to we used to try and do a whole bunch of things like t-shirts and stickers and everything else what we found is we're not particularly good at that stuff but we found that a lot of you are willing and want to support us anyway so if you go to patreon.com forward slash wfny that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash wfny and and shoot us some money You help keep the lights on. You help uh, let us pay some podcasters and writers a little bit of pocket change from time to time. Nobody makes a full-time living off of waiting for next year. It's, it's kind of a nonprofit at this point, but it's, it's our, it's our nonprofit. And that's, that's really something I wanted to talk about today. Um, You know, because yesterday was such a tough day for the Cleveland sports community. We all found out that uh, Les Levine had passed away and, um, Les Levine was a, f- a fixture. He was just part of the Cleveland sports landscape for a very, very long time. And he couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been more welcoming to us at Waiting for Next Year. And it would be easy to take it all for granted today because of all the water that's gone under the bridge and all the time that's passed and, and where Waiting for Next Year is today. Uh, I think you know, a lot of the sports fans in Cleveland were in elementary school when Waiting for Next Year started. Um, part of us getting older, uh, and we've just celebrated, I think, 13 years as a website. Um, part of us getting older is that you know, people kind of forget where we came from and what it was like for us. Um, me personally, I was I was in my 20s, my late 20s, but I was in my 20s when I started at Waiting for Next Year. Um, and I was, I was defensive. I was a young, 
angry man with something to prove, you know? We were hustling, writing blog posts two, three, four times a day each at the beginning of waiting for next year. And guys like Ben Axelrod, who've come up and, and become fixtures in the sports community at places like WKYC because they're so prolific and they're so all over the place covering everything all the time. It's hard to remember that those people, those jobs didn't even exist when waiting for next year started. Um, waiting for next year was not the only place where bloggers and, and this kind of um, covering the entire waterfront of sports news, we weren't the only ones doing it. Um, but we were one of, we were one of the bigger ones in Cleveland doing it. And we felt like at the time in a lot of ways in that landscape, in that time period, we were outworking a lot of the people at cleveland.com at, at the TV station websites. This was prior to Twitter. Um, Facebook wasn't nearly what it is today. People didn't have the, the platform. And so because we'd set up a blogging platform and people followed us on their RSS readers, we were, we were dominating the feed. And, you know, there was always a lot of question as to whether we were just poaching other people's reporting because at that time we didn't have credentials and we weren't at the games and we weren't at the shoot-arounds. Um, so we weren't necessarily mining for the rocks, but we were, we were talking about it and we were leading the conversation. And that's something that we took a lot of pride in. Um, and, and to the point where, you know, we kind of, we were not demanding respect, but we wanted it and, and we felt like we deserved it. And I, I just think there was a sense of defensiveness back in those days and yeah, sometimes that rubbed traditional media members the wrong way. And so it wasn't always, it wasn't always, you know, roses and sunshine with us and the other forms of local media. And so in those early days, whenever we did come across a radio host like Joe Lull, uh, whenever we came across a newspaper columnist like Terry Pluto, who gave us the time of day, that people, uh, oh, and I can't ever forget Andy Baskin at um, WEWS Channel 5. Always, always gave us, there's so many people, but maybe nobody gave us better access and more respect than Les Levine. He was a friend of the site through the Dairy Brothers. Um, Les was friends with their late father. And then once I was introduced to Les, we realized that I had all these personal connections, you know, the, the east side of Cleveland is a tight-knit group. And so my dad was friends with one of his best friends and the da, 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 and all these things go on. And even beyond that, Les just never, he never, gar he never put up walls around his kingdom. He never... He never hogged the spotlight. He was always looking to, whether you were a listener of his show, a watcher of his TV show, or a fellow media member. Um, and again, he included us as fellow media members. He always wanted to, to give you the spotlight, to, to make you feel like you belonged, that 
if he had a chance to make your your moment special, he would do it. He would do it. There were so many stories about people who won prizes at the radio station and Les would invite them to come in and sit on the air. He just wasn't afraid to, to do things his own way uh, and see what would happen. And kind of being, you know, I, to, to call him the mayor of Cleveland sports media wouldn't be, wouldn't be accurate. Um, but he was like one of the mayors. He, he was, he, he had that style. He had that ability. Um, he was exactly the same person off the air that he was on the air. And, um, and we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him a ton. I, I've told this story before, but I want to tell it one more time just because if I had to pick one highlight of whatever this is as a career of doing waiting for next year, you know, I always wanted to be on radio. I always wanted to be in the sports media and in, in whatever small way I've been able to live out that dream and, and live out that fantasy over the last, you know, 13 years, 10, 12 years as part of waiting for next year, less is a part of that. But one of the things that, that we always strive to do at WFNY was get credentialed and, and go and cover things. And one of the toughest nuts to crack for us was the NFL for the longest time. They, they, they were kind of the last ones to recognize blogs and podcasters and things of that nature. But and they, and even before they would give us any, they wouldn't give us any access to games for the longest time, you know, because that's locker room, that's all the all the the traditional media access. But they did give us access to training camp. That was kind of their way of acknowledging us and allowing us to be a part of the coverage of the team. And it was great because we could we could get in there, we could take photos, we could get some player quotes, we could get a feel for the personality of the team before we had to, to, before we decided to cover them on a week to week basis. And so, you know, we used to take turns, Rick, Scott, myself going in, using that credential and covering training camp. And ultimately our daily reports from training camp had minimal kind of news value. And I learned that over time that covering training camp didn't really teach you that much. Um, Somebody, a, a friend, a friend of mine used to make fun. And uh, whenever I'd file these reports from training camp, he'd like, oh, so you're telling me they look good in shorts. Sweet. Does that mean they're going to be able to do anything during the season? Um, and a lot of times, no, it didn't. It didn't mean that they were going to be able to do anything during the season. So anyway, we, we were covering these training camps and it was a lot of fun. Um, we would basically be taking time off from our regular day jobs to go at 11 o'clock and, and chew a couple of hours out of the day to cover training camp. Um, and for us, that was like standing in a bullpen of media covering, covering the team. And we had some friends that, that, that we knew through the media over the years. And I, I just have to say that the greatest memory I have of training camp isn't, standing there the day that Joe Thomas signed his extension in the media scrum as he's talking to the media. That was a fun day. That was great. I loved it. It wasn't the day that Mike Holmgren kind of accidentally big-timed Pat Shermer 
<laughs> and the gravity of Mike Holmgren pulled all the media away. Um, it, it was just a random day. I can't even remember which season it was. Uh, and I was standing on the sideline watching practice and Les Levine came over and, and he and I chatted for a little bit. We were talking about the team and then Terry Pluto came over and the three of us stood there watching practice, talking about what was going on and, and talking sports for about half hour, 45 minutes covering training camp. And for me as this, this used to be kid now adult who wanted to, to be in the sports media and wanted to, to have all these experiences to be able to stand there with somebody who I, you know, pretty much considered a friend in the media and Les Levine and somebody who had always been really welcoming to us as well. And Terry Pluto and for me to get to stand there and talk sports with Les Levine and Terry Pluto, even allowing them to treat me somewhat like a peer. Um, I mean, that that's, that's everything that, that was everything to me at the time. Um, it's, it's everything that I ever could have asked for in terms of, of being a member of waiting for next year. And it's something that Les Levine didn't have to do. It's, it's something that, um, and, and by and large, I got to tell you the Cleveland media is very welcoming. It's a very nice group of people. So don't think that by propping up Les Levine, I'm tearing down other people because I, I could go on and on about uh, Andre Knott, Will Bird, Zach Jackson, all these different people who've been super nice to us over the years. Um, Tom Withers. I, I mean, the, the, the list goes on and on. Um, and he, especially Dan Lobby, who has his own career path, which is awesome. Um, but so don't think that because I'm propping up Les Levine and I'm talking about Terry Pluto that I'm somehow telling you that what well, those other guys were jerks and they, they cut us off. That's couldn't be further from the truth. They were all very welcoming, but nobody, nobody propped us up. Nobody legitimized us maybe as much as Les Levine. And, uh, we're going to miss him. We're going to miss him as fans like the rest of you. We're going we're gonna to miss them just as, as members of, of the sports media community, the Cleveland sports media community, you know, whatever it is. And um, so it was a sad day. Sad day, but a, a great guy, great career um, with a lasting impact that won't be soon forgotten. That's all I got. Hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you sometime um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about the Cavaliers. Maybe we'll wrap up the Super Bowl. Um, but I just wanted to, to share some, some thoughts about less from my perspective. And, and hopefully I, I encapsulated some of the stuff that Scott or Rick, um, or, you know, Brendan Bowers, all the, all the people that were associated with waiting for next year that got to know less and got to go on a show. Um, hopefully, hopefully I did justice by, uh, for, for less and for all the people who had the lucky chance to interact with less. Um, and obviously big thanks to the dairy brothers, the, you know, Todd being a part of the site, um, has just, you know, it's, it's been, um, 
you know, one of the most important relationships we've ever had, you know, when he was a member, even now that he's kind of moved on and he and his brother are doing the podcast as part of waiting for next year, you know, he's not involved in, on a day-to-day basis like he used to be, but, um, you know, just those, those relationships are, are what's made waiting for next year, what it is. And, uh, and he helped bring less into the fold and, and, um, anyway, I'm rambling now. So I just want to thank you guys all for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Spin the waiting for next year.com podcast. I'm Bruce Martin, host of pit pass Indy. Each week I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 